everybody! Welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, and today we are reviewing Maze Runner The Death Cure. What is this place? Who put us here? We don't know. We don't know. What if we were sent here for a reason? You're so close to the truth. Don't you want to know why this all happened? Three years we spent behind walls trying to break out, and now we want to break back in. I get shotgun. You can't save everyone, Thomas. I can try. When the hell does it stop? It stops when we find a cure. There is no cure! You can save your friends, or you can save us all. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and Adrian is not here today because he did not see the movie, but we are here with Matt. Hello. And we're going to be talking about everything that we saw on Thursday, so the 25th? The 25th. Because this movie yes. officially came out on January 26th. We saw it on January 25th because we had to support it opening night. Um, so yeah, I guess to kind of go into it, Maze Runner, The Death Cure, is a is the third installment of a trilogy which is based off of West Ball's novels, The Maze Runner. Um, so the ones before it were obviously The Maze Runner. And then the second one was Maze Runner Scorch Trials. Um, both of those did fairly well at the, bo- at, at the box office. It's around the 30 million mark. Um, I think right now, as of Sunday, January 27th, Maze Runner in its opening weekend is sitting at 24 million, which is a which is above the other movies at the box office right now. Yeah, so it's looking to probably take the top spot from Jumanji, but yeah. Yeah. And so in the name of, you know, reviews, because we have to bring up what Rotten Tomato says, whether you like them or not, um, the first one is rated at a 65% critic rating with a 68% audience rating. Maze Runner 2 is rated at a 46% critic rating and a 54% audience rating. And then Maze Runner 3, the one we are talking about today, is rated pretty low with the critics at 44%, but the audience has it standing strong at a 78% certified fresh, which I think the critics need to like wake up a little bit for this movie. Well, IMDb has it at a 7.1 right now. That makes sense. Which is... Just below pretty much all the big movies from last year. Yeah. I'm looking at them. When you compare, like, Wonder Woman, Star Wars, Thor. Well, I think Thor is actually in the eights, but Wonder Woman, Thor. That's huge. Yeah. Mm. Wonder Woman, Star Wars, and Justice League, and probably a few other ones. Yeah. I think overall, probably one of the biggest things that we have to mention is that this series started in 2014. We are now in the first month of 2018, (laughs) um, and this movie, um, I believe the second one came out in 2015, so it's taken three years for this movie to get out, which has to play into the fact that so many people are sleeping on it at the moment. Yeah, so basically this, unfortunately, also was at the tail end of all the young adult uh, movie movies that came out it was at the end of like the death of dystopian young adult novels yeah pretty much <laughs> by this time uh twilight's already had its run i think um yeah, twilight like jump started it and then the hunger games came up and gave rise to divergent and there's an oh and then the, like all the john green ones too well i know there's like the host then there's like i am four and I can't remember some of the other ones. Well, yeah, because those come right before Hunger Games. Right. And then after Hunger Games, you end up with the Divergent. And then you have John Green publishing his, like, his, his like cancer sad stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to call them, guys. The, the Fault in Our Stars is a good book, but um, it's a cancer sad story. Not going to put myself through that. I prefer a dystopian science fiction world over that. Yeah. Um, which is what the Maze Runner gives us. Um, have you read the books? No. Okay, yeah, I have read the first one. That is it, and then I did not read any of the other ones because I saw the movie first, and I didn't want to kind of have the books cloud my movie experience. You mean um, like Percy Jackson? Exactly. 
Um, Which is also in that uh, genre thrown in there, a cluster of movies. Yeah. And I also want to correct myself. Wes Ball directs the movies. He does not write them. James Dashner wrote the 2009 novel, The Maze Runner, which starts the series. Just want to correct myself there. I know it's bad. Um, yeah, so for the cast, we the most famous is probably Dylan O'Brien, who was a long-standing cast member on Teen Wolf. We also have Kaya uh, Scodelario, who was a member of the Skins cast, which is a really big show. I love Skins. I do love her. That's on MTV? That's the American one. And then you have, like, the British one. So she's on the British one or the American She's on the British one. So the American one's the one that people really hate. Yes. And the British one is the one that has given us, like, this entire, like, movement of, like, really awesome British actors. Because they all started on Skins. And the American one made us want to kill all our young people. Yes. Got it. (laughs) Um, um, Beyond that, too, we also have my favorite of the cast is Ki Hong Lee playing Minho, who is my bae. Sorry, but he's amazing. Um, and as well as Rosa Salazar playing Brenda. So if we go into this a little bit, because we have to kind of explain this three-year gap. So first off, Kaya Scodelario was pregnant, which pushed back production. And then, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened to Dylan O'Brien? He did a stunt and nearly killed himself? On the third day of production. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> In 2016. <laughs> Yeah, so this movie has been in, as we say with video games, development hell. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And I think, unfortunately, that's killed some of this budgeting and everything else and uh, production for the delays and even momentum. Yeah, because, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen that I've been talking about, like, hey, if if you support diverse casts in movies, you need to look at the Maze Runner series. Um, but somebody raised it to my attention that, hey, they don't, you know, they don't market diverse movies, uh, you know, with diverse cast. And I said, well, let me think about this. Actually, when they were supposed to, um, when they started marketing the Maze Runner Death Cure, they were marketing it, they were marketing it pretty hard. But then Dylan O'Brien kind of got hurt. <laughs> yeah, because uh, production was suspended indefinitely with him. They didn't even yes. know if they were going to be able to make this movie. Um, so he was performing a stunt with a car and a train, which is the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. Which is kind of surreal, um, which he opted to leave in after the director, Wes Ball, had said, hey, do you do you want to use this, this stunt for promotion? Is this going to kind of, you know, bring back some memories? And, you know, Dylan O'Brien said, yeah, it would have been for nothing if we didn't actually get to use it in the film and in production. Um, so it is there. And, uh, yeah. Nobody knew if he was going to be okay, or at least okay enough to continue his role in an action movie, because Dylan O'Brien at this point, as with a lot of the young co-stars for the Maze Runner series, are doing a lot of their own stunt work. Right. Especially coming off of a very action-based show like Teen Wolf, um, Dylan O'Brien has had to do those things. So when you think about marketing budget, you have to assume that that takes into account the fact that prediction was delayed, which leads into either buying out people's contracts, extending contracts, canceling contracts with people with um, with people are allow- that are allowing them to film in locations, with people who are supplying them with props. There is a whole bunch of stuff that goes into the movie that a two-year delay just really doesn't help. Initially, they were supposed to have it released in 2017, and then that ended up getting moved back. So personally, I do feel that this movie is a little bit under-marketed, but it's understandable because of how much that this movie has gone through um, to get to the point of even being just put on the screen. Oh, well, I mean, they did have some marketing, obviously, because it did show during the National Championship game. Even though I'm not going to lie, I think everybody was just ready for Kendrick Lamar and Black Panther. But this it was is true. There. <laughs> it was there, but it was not Black Panther. Yes. Um, the one thing that I will say, though, especially if you're listening and you do like to make sure you patronize movies that do go out of their way to promote a diverse cast, Minho actually was in their extended cut scene that they were marketing. Um, he was the only person of the main cast in that scene, um, which we'll talk about how that gets into the movie. <laughs> Uh, 
but yeah so how should we start uh, i guess what was your first initial reaction leaving the movie theater did you like it i liked it i liked it a lot i i felt like with a film that had three years between the last time i saw this you know the one before it the fact that it had me this ready to jump back into these characters' lives and for me to feel a sense of relief after the story concludes itself, that was more than enough for me, especially with the types of movies we've been getting lately where it's all, go watch the extended version, go get the downloadable content, read the book, play the game. Um, It was really refreshing to feel like I have a sense of who they are inside the movies um, and now I'm excited to go and pick up the Maze Runner series, um, a series of novels. Yeah, no, so I actually really enjoyed this movie. It's not like the most amazing movie ever, uh, but I actually really did like it considering, one, between the delays was kind of very saddening, and two, honestly, the second movie, The Scorch Trials, really wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, I have to honestly say that the, that uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is a little bit on the nose. <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe the second one definitely on the I would, nose. There. I would have put it like maybe like mid fifties, but not much above that. Um, that being said, this was for me a really great close to a story. Yes, um, which I don't think I've walked a, I've walked away from any movie at this point thinking that it was a way to close that story. And it may have to do with the fact that a lot of every movie we get right now has a sequel coming after it. Right. Um, but that being said, I felt that if you are listening and you have not watched a single Maze Runner movie before this, but you are listening to our review to decide whether or not you want to go see The Death Cure, go see it. Because I personally feel that exposition, which if you don't know, is the way that movies tell you the story throughout the movie or like the intricate parts the exposition in Death Cure is done so well that you can go in and watch this and kind of understand the pieces of the story that have brought themselves into this third movie. Um, I don't think you'll get the same depth of connection to the characters as you do unless, you know, like Matt and I are who have seen the first two, but I definitely think you can go in there and watch Death Cure first and be okay. Um, But I would highly recommend going to watch the other two. But I, I just wanted to point out that the exposition was done really well to kind of fill in that gap, that three-year gap between two and three. Yeah, no, I would definitely recommend this movie for some, to somebody. Yeah. I mean, it's no, like, Shape of Water it might win a ton of Oscars, but I would, <laughs> I would definitely watch this movie again. I'd rather watch this movie than The Last Jedi again, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really fair. I mean, I think the action was really done, was really well done in this movie. And the fact that a lot of the stuff they did was really practical. Um, and this is where we start getting into spoilers because we haven't really been talking about spoilers now, but now we are going to. Um, some of the, I think like two of the main situations that involve an escape have to do with a plane coming down or something coming down and lifting people out of an area. And I can easily see that that's a point of contention for some, but for me, it's not. It's a science fiction action movie, and it is the easiest way to get out of the situation. If you can drop a crane onto your bus to save everybody and drop it outside of city walls, I think that's a good idea. We also must remember that, one, when this book was written, and there is a good portion in action movies dating back where people do just pick up things. This is very true. And drive buses really fast. Or you can't go faster or slower than 45 or 55 miles an hour. There's an entire movie on a bus. Yes. <laughs> um, that being said, I think we should go into, I guess, a little bit of the characters. Okay. So the main ones, and we'll cover Thomas last, which is Dylan Bryan's character. Um, but the main ones you're going to get are going to be Newt, Minho, and uh, Brenda and Thomas. So starting with, I guess, Brenda. Um, okay. She had a pretty decent role in, I don't know if you remember, but in in the movie before in Scorch Trials. We meet her in the second one. Exactly. We meet her in the second one. We get to see her kind of usher the maze surviving kids, which they call themselves gladers. And they're they're supposedly all all immune to the virus. Um, And if you haven't watched it, the flare virus is this virus that eats people pretty much from the inside and turns them into zombie-like things. Um, Once again, this was part of the whole zombie-type uh, fr- ah, frenzy. 
Yeah, the, the the first book was written in 2009. That's what sucks, because like I said, what sucks, I think, for this movie now is the fact that literally this whole like phase of movies is now like over with. Yeah. And this, unfortunately, is now being put in there, and so it can totally be lost in interest. Yeah, so, like, essentially all the Gladers escape the maze, and they are immune to the flare virus, which was the whole reason they were put in the maze, to help find a cure for this. Um, they were running... Um, you know, human tests on them. Um, and Brenda comes in with um, Giancarlo X Esposito, also known as Jorge in the movie, who says Edmano so many times. And it makes me really happy because he says it in like the most condescending ways to everybody. Like people are attacking him. He's like, do you really want to do that, Edmano? Like, really? Basically, he, he says that for like, I am Groot, but it means every single thing in this movie. Exactly. And it's so well done, um, which... Giancarlo Esposito is also Gus in Breaking Bad. He's amazing in everything he does. Um, but Brenda is pretty much a surrogate daughter. Um, yes. You find out in this movie that they came they came together not knowing each other, and they have formed a really big bond to the to the point that um, Jorge's character refuses to go anywhere without Brenda, and pretty much beats the crap out of the people who abduct them once they actually get to the main city, <laughs> um, just trying to get back to her. Um, but Brenda was bitten in the movie before this in Scorch Trials, and she was saved by a serum, a serum that was supposed to be administered multiple times over pretty much the rest of her life, because it wasn't a cure. It was supposed to just keep it at bay. But the difference here is, is that, that Teresa made that serum with Thomas's blood. And so what we find out in the opening scenes, or I guess about the second scene, is that uh, everybody's pretty much just watching Brenda, waiting to see if she's going to become one of the cranks, which is what they call the zombie-type uh, zombie type creatures. Um, and she doesn't. I think for this movie, which was highly focused on Thomas, and I think in a way that the other two weren't, because um, the other two I think were more ensemble movies, and this one was definitely Thomas's movie, which isn't a flaw at all. Um, it would have been easy for Brenda to kind of fall into the background as just a side character who just pops up. Um, but actually, Brenda's existence in this movie is the entire reason anybody actually gets to escape and live. Yes. <laughs> um, which I really love. It's a lot of car driving, precision shooting, and making sure everybody gets out alive. Well, one thing uh, we kind of forgot to mention is what the original reason I want to see this movie is because it's all caused by like a solar flare that causes this entire. Oh thumbnail. yeah, that's right. That's why the that's why the flare virus happens. <laughs> yeah, no. So basically, I believe it's all caused by a solar flare that basically turns all these people. If I remember correctly, because it basically like ruins and decimates all the cities. Why it's a bunch of sand and it looks like we're in all the desert. Yeah, and then from that you end up having a virus that starts in a select amount of people and then begins to spread. Right. And Wicked, which is the main big like Big Brother organization, ends up imprisoning kids in the maze to try and take their, um, I guess like their blood or their. I, I can't tell if it's blood or sweat. I think it's blood that they synthesize into. Into something, but it has to do with their fear. Well, in this movie, it almost looks like they're trying to take their adrenaline. Yeah, that's or one true. of their endorphins. Yeah, so like essentially, they make these kids who are known to be immune very, 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 very scared, and they take that out of them and then synthesize that into a serum or hopefully in this movie a cure. Right. Um, so when you come down to Brenda, I think ultimately she isn't the bright north star of the movie but she doesn't fall by the wayside no she does a lot of work and um the actress rosa salazar actually is going to be leading alita battle angel directed by robert rodriguez which is coming out later this year and i'm like after seeing her play a pretty badass character in the death cure i'm excited to see her in that movie personally um i don't really care about that movie per se <laughs> but um no her character is a little frustrating at times to me, though, as much as I do like her, just because of her interaction with Thomas. Yeah, there's a lot of brooding with Thomas. Yeah. Which she doesn't show with any of the other characters. Which I think I think that what they do in this movie, and it's probably like one of my big critiques of it, is I think a lot of it is trying to play Brenda off of Thomas's love for Teresa. And kind of, like, form up that, like, love triangle thing. Sort of, but then it's kind of weird with Thomas, because you can tell he still kind of cares for Teresa, because they went through everything for the first two movies. 
But you can also tell that he totally hates Teresa yeah. because of the way the second movie ended. Which is Teresa betrayed everybody. Which is basically the, the premise of this whole movie, per se, of them trying to go rescue everybody that got betrayed. Exactly. Um, which, for here, I think I, I would agree that a lot of her interactions with Thomas are a little weird. But the scenes by herself, or at least her working in her role as a part of the team, like, really shine for me. Yes. Um... Yeah, let's go into Teresa, I guess. <laughs> or do you want to save her for the end? Uh, I mean, I guess we could... We'll save her, I guess, toward, more towards the end, since she both play a bigger role, okay. I guess, especially if we're going to go save Thomas for the end. Okay, so next, then, we're going to go to my favorite character, then. Okay. Minho. He's amazing, and I love him. Um, so in the first two movies, Minho is the designated runner of the maze, and he is pretty much the athletic backbone of the entire team. And when I say that... He runs really freaking fast. Um, his entire goal is to make sure that the rest of the team stays safe and that he collects things from the maze. Or, in um, at the end of the first movie, make sure that he can map out the maze itself. Um, so Minho as a character, he was, prior to this, he was betrayed by Teresa, like we just said, and he ended up on a train in the start of this movie, chained and ready for wicked experiments. Uh, which, unfortunately, as uh, Thomas and the rest of the crew try to save him, they end up collecting the wrong train car um, and leaving him left to Wicked's... Wicked's deeds. Wicked's wicked deeds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is one of those situations where you're like, man, well, this sucks. This character is nothing but, like, strapped to a table. That's all he is. He doesn't do anything. People are going to come up and save him. That's it. Um, one of the things that I really like about Minnow's experience is that you see it from start to finish. So you have him collected by Jansen, which is the evil security man? Pretty much. Evil security man, played by the guy that plays Littlefinger. I don't know his actual name, but Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, played by that dude. Um, obviously, evil demeanor and an evil character. Um, but what they happen to do is they end up trapping Minho in a in a simulation to cause fear in him um so the main clip that maze runner death care marketed was a clip of Minho running away from some of the electronic spiders that were in the maze originally in a different setting which he does and you realize through this scene that it's actually not real and it's all happening in his head and you also see flashes from the scientists shining lights into his eyes, and you see this give and take. Now, one of the things that most movies, I would say, do when you have a character like this, especially a side character, is they make them just, like, they turn into a drooling mess, and that's it. Which is understandable. You're being, like, mentally tortured for days on end. Yes. <laughs> so I can't fault that. Um, but that doesn't happen to him. At first, you think it does because Teresa meets with him and is trying to pretty much quell her own conscience and say, hey, you're saving people. It's totally okay that we're torturing you because we're saving people. And he, the actor, um, uh, Ki Hong Lee, looks, he, he's playing dumb. He's playing that, like, that, that drooly trope of somebody who has just been completely mentally taken over but what he does instead is he slams her on the table and steals her letter opener and gets ready to plan his escape pretty much which for me is really phenomenal um then after thomas and crew have made their way to save him from the last city in existence he 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 doesn't really get saved by them, pretty much. He saves himself, almost. I, I, I don't know how you would classify it, but I classify him as saving himself. Um, I would say it's com probably a combination of both. Yeah. So only because basically he does save himself, but all this stuff within the process of being able to save himself is because of all the confusion and everything going outside of the room. Yeah, so, so it's not a strict, like, oh, we're just running a basic procedure, what's going in and out. It's basically like, oh, he wakes up from the anesthesia, which is caused by all this delays with malfunctioning stuff because of people stuff blowing up. Yeah, outside. because Thomas and crew, um, including Gally, who is now alive, um, if you watch these movies, Gally killed somebody named Chuck, who I am very sad that he died. Um, and then the boys killed him and left him to die. He did not, in fact, die in the maze, but found his way out and is helping them. 
Thomas and crew have created this giant distraction outside, invading the facility, and Minho is able to have a window of opportunity to stab the the um, what anesthetician doctor. Ana but there's like they're not doctors though. They're like anesthesiologists. Yes. He stabs the anesthesiologist in the thigh, um, puts the doctor to sleep, and then beats the crap out of the main security guard watching him, and busts out like the Hulk, and like slams security guards through windows. And it's it's a really great scene, and one where you realize that like through this entire process, it's taken a different turn. Like he did not like lose himself. Like Minha has been fighting this entire time, um, both in the simulation, his head, and outside. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's just they gave them him an opportunity. Yeah, and I think more of this whole thing is more of if you want to go, I guess, to a comic perspective, it's kind of like these scenes with a lot of times with Batman. But basically, he sits there in his head, and he basically does not give up in his head, even though his body is not working and doesn't whatever. And basically, he's allowed to basically get one opportunity to do anything. Yeah. And basically, in the movie, he only basically moves at least up till basically that part two times the entire movie. Yeah. To save every single part of he has to those two parts, basically between slamming Teresa on the table and, or attempting to kill her, pretty much, and the finally escaping. Yeah. So he's Batman. Well, if you wanted a reference of what, <laughs> I mean, I find basically the whole Batman. thing is it's all mental, basically toughness, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like instead of like, Minho knows when to fight, and he know when he knows when to stay inside. And I think that's what we learned. He's a survivor. Well, yeah, they all are. They're, they went through. He lived in. He was the first one, I believe, in the actual. Glades. He was. He was yeah. in there for three years. Yeah, he was one of the first gladers, and he survived the maze longer, and knew it better than anybody that existed like he taught thomas all the tricks that thomas knows to stay alive no he's literally the leader of the team pretty much and goes in the entire thing and basically as much as it, thomas is moving everything it basically thomas is the importance but pretty much everybody belonged to to minho yeah yeah or at least how it started per se oh yeah definitely um i guess you should go to galley since you mentioned him yeah so galley's alive like i said um, he, Gally, I have described him on a previous episode, the actor as a, as the guy who looks like the kid in the school t-shirt from Toy Story, played by Will Poulter. He was hated by everybody for the most part at the end. Yeah. Even though he was dying, he was hated by everybody because he killed probably the most defenseless out of everybody. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how he killed him again, though. I don't remember how he killed Chuck. I just remember he killed Chuck, and I was crying at that point because I really liked Chuck. I think he shot him. I'm pretty sure. And so, essentially what happens is, as Thomas and friends, including um, Brenda and Jorge, have made it to the, the last city on Earth, they're kind of watching a riot happen from the people who have been left outside the city walls and those within the city walls. And as the city itself starts firing upon those, you know, the rioters or the protesters, you have these masked men kind of just following them around. And you know that something's going to happen because you know that they recognize him. Um, and it turns out that it is, in fact, Galley, Will Poulter's character. And uh, Thomas beats the crap out of him. <laughs> Um, because of his actions. As you have Thomas punching, uh, punching Galley, you have Newt and Newt pulling him off and in Frypan, um, there as well. And, uh, Frypan's played by Dexter Darden. And you have them just there kind of confused, like, not confused as Thomas's reaction, but confused by the fact that Galley is still alive. Because from the first the first movie, you, Minho throws a spear through him and Galley is there dead. And they said, we saw you die. And Galley corrects them, no, you left me there to die. Yeah, so essentially, basically Galley gets stung by something injected through him. Which pretty much makes him lose his mind. Yeah, it's one of the spiders. Yeah, then he basically ends up killing Chuck. And then essentially they're like, and then attempt to try to kill them all, and so then they throw a spear for him and leave him to die. You assume he's dead, but apparently they just left him there to die. 
which also leads to probably the best interactions between this and this entire movie is literally between um, not only him getting hit in the face, basically, when Thomas jumps on and beats him, and Minho, when he finally meets up with Galley, is essentially if we can start hitting people in the face once and moving on, <laughs> we'd be in such better shape than what we are. I'm a big proponent that everybody should be hit in the face at least once. Or just do it like that, and then just move on with the problem. That's literally how it is. I mean, when he, I can't, I can't argue that because literally Thomas is Thomas punches him in the face, and they're like, "Okay, we've got this." Let's I deserve, get on the next I, I deserve thing. that. I got it. Cool. And even when Minho, he's like, "Why, why are you doing this?" I threw a spear through you, and he's like, "Oh, that's stuff happens." Yeah, we, we we're moving on past this. Instead of this whole dwelling on things and the whole other thing, just hit somebody in the face. They'll learn. Maybe I shouldn't probably say things or do things that are probably stupid, and then you just move on. And they coordinate everything else together. And I think this is one of the reasons, like, I think Galley and what you're saying is probably one of the reasons why I really like this series is, unlike a lot of the movies that we get, a lot of the plot isn't contrived and you don't have people fighting with each other for no reason. Right. Like, fighting with each other just to fight and to create conflict in the plot. Right. Like, they understand who the main person to take down is and that's where, that that's where they're going the entire time. Um... Also, um, Galley is, in fact, working with the great, played by Walton Goggins, who is amazing. He is, like, really great character actor. Um, and he is, uh, he plays Lawrence, who is a guy who is, like, half cranker, half not. Half yeah, falling much. apart, half not. Pretty much. Um, surviving off the serum. And it is through Galley and Lawrence's militia that they are actually able to get into the city to make an attempt to save Minhal in this process. I'm telling you, everybody should be hit in the face once. One, you know that you're not going to die. And two, you can just move on with everything. I mean, Galley also has a really punchable face. That's fine. <laughs> like, people act like they get hit, they're just going to die. You're not. You'll be okay. Yeah. From there, we have Teresa's character, um, Kaya Skull. Uh, oh, actually, let's go to Newt. We have Newt, um, played by Thomas Brody Sangster, who is uh, the wild, the young wildling that Bran is with in Game of Thrones. Um, he's just a little British kid, that's all I know. Yeah, he's also a little British kid in Love Actually. Don't be mean to the British. I'm not. Don't be talking bad about my people. <laughs> anyway, he is played by Newt. Uh, he plays Newt, who is Thomas's best friend. And although Newt is tiny, he is kind of like the moral background, a uh, backbone of everybody. He's kind of that that weak, that physically weak character who kind of holds everybody together and thinks things through. He's more the little tech guy, if anything. Yeah, the physically weak character who thinks things through for everybody. Well, I know he's also the most resourceful. He is. If the we want to do, if we want to do the thing, <laughs> he is like uh, Rocket Raccoon of this team. The Taj from Fast and the Furious for this team. I got you, Adrian. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway, so initially, what happens is Thomas leads them from their safe haven, um, run by Vince, who we meet in the second movie, and. As they're leaving, Newt is in the car with Frypan and Thomas, and they are pretty much stopped in a tunnel by a whole bunch of crazed cranks. And we don't, like, I don't think the movie really tells us when Newt is infected, but I think it happens in this sequence when they're trying to fight their way out. I, I believe it is. I, I think that is we learn in the sequence that he's not immune. Yeah, so, like, the assumption is that everybody inside the glade, so everybody inside the maze, the gladers, were immune. That was the assumption. Um, we kind of find out in two that that wasn't right. the case, but because everybody survived the events of two, which has the flare virus kind of spreading out, like, crazily among them, Newt had assumed he was okay. Um, which, as we find out once they make it to the city, he is not okay at all. Um, and New kind of gives us probably the most emotional moments of the movie because he has been by Thomas's side since Thomas had been dropped in the maze. Yeah. And as they fight alongside each other, Newt slowly devolves into the crank stage. 
I believe this is also where the is this the first time we actually see the quote unquote cranks? No, we've seen we saw the cranks in two. Did we? I don't yeah, remember. We, we I know we don't see them that much. I know per se. No, I, there's a giant crank scene where they're like running through the broken building before they take. That's right. When Brenda that's leaves right, him from right. what his like stronghold. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So we see the cranks a lot, but we don't see is the progression of the virus. Correct. And so what we see through Newt is how this virus starts kind of innocuous, nothing's wrong, maybe a little lethargic, and we slowly see it spread to Newt losing his entire mind. Um, So most of what Newt does until the point that he loses it is kind of inconsequential. He's along for the ride with with Galley and Thomas as they storm the Wicked facility. Um, But where... What happens is Newt fights with Thomas at the very end after he started after he started to turn, um, and Newt attempts to kill himself a couple of times before that. And he well, he asks Thomas to kill him before he turns, and then um, he pulls Thomas's gun. And in a moment that you think is going to be Thomas getting shot, he actually turns it on himself, to which Thomas can't let happen. Um, as the fight keeps happening. Thomas ends up stabbing Newt with the knife that he was attacking him with. No, he does not. Yeah, he does. No, he does not. He doesn't? Newt stabs himself. What? Yeah. I took that as they were fighting and Thomas accidentally, like, pushed, like, turned the knife on him. Oh, that's why I took it as basically he finally got a comfortable stab himself just because of the way his hand was holding the knife. I could be wrong. I thought he stabbed himself. So essentially the reason there's this like this this difference with us is because that scene plays out like a whole bunch of them do like we have these two characters fighting they're really close and then <gasps> that moment and you look at their faces and you know somebody's stabbed but you don't know who. No, basically the reason I said that is because the way he runs forward and you see the stabbing part, you don't really see any movement per se in Thomas's character at all. So one you're always thinking he might get stabbed. But two, just at least by the way he held them way he held it and the fact that he had already tw- tried. And he, he, you mean Newt? Yes, by Newt, basically already, he kept coming in and out of this whole thing of stopping, of trying to kill himself. It just, to me, at least when they hold back, especially the way Thomas's hands were, after they pulled back that scene, it looked like literally Newt had just stabbed himself. Oh. At the okay. last second. He had one chance. But I mean, so I could you, be so wrong. So you think that, because, I mean, you, you do have a point that I kind of didn't mention, is that Newt is kind of back and forth between this crank stage. Yeah. Where he isn't entirely gone, but he has moments of being entirely gone. Um, I didn't think about that. And just looking at Thomas' reaction, it didn't look, Thomas didn't seem to react like he stabbed him. I thought he did. No, I didn't think he did. I thought he did because when he, like, drops him on the ground, he's, like, crying. Well, we know he's dead. Well, yeah. I I think if you see the scene the way you did, you think that. And then if you see the scene the way I did, I was like, oh my god, I killed my best friend. Which I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that's totally... I, I think that could be really what happens. It just seemed like, because that whole entire scene, there's at least three instances in which uh, Newt tries to kill himself. Yeah. Throughout that whole fight. And he, do- he does yell to Thomas saying, kill me. Yeah. Yeah. And I can totally see at the last second just stabbing himself. And at least it, the way it looked like. Yeah. Which also sucks, which leads to the fact that they were waiting on a serum and it was literally 30 seconds too late. Yeah. But this is a young adult movie, which is how everything happens. Everybody dies? No. Everything is about 25 seconds <laughs> too late or just 25 seconds right on time. <laughs> young adult fiction. 25 seconds early or 25 seconds late? Pretty much. <laughs> Um, that I can't, I can't argue with that. That's kind of accurate. I really don't like a lot of the young adult movies, and I don't really care for the books at all. For some Which? reason, this was the only one that I really cared for. One, I didn't even know it was a young adult series. I just saw, wow, these people are in a maze and they're running, and there's a giant solar flare that ruined the Earth. Which, if anybody knows, I like the Geostorm type movies, which like means, oh, they're going to do a better, core version of this. And then I left the movie realizing that there was only part one, and I was pissed. You were pissed. Which I think should tell you, hey, go check out this movie. Matt does not like these kinds of movies, and he liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Newt dies and... YouTube the second one. Huh? YouTube the second YouTube one. YouTube the second one. Um, yeah, so Newt dies. That is the end of his character. Or is it? It is. He, he dies. Nothing else happens. <laughs> but it's a young adult fiction, so something else could totally happen. 
um, but it doesn't. Um, so beyond that, you end up with Teresa, who was one of the main characters in one and two. She dropped into the maids maze with thomas and she and thomas have left this life of being like research analysts watching these tests tests happening to people who objected the existence of these tests which is why they ended up being dropped and dropped into the maze to begin with no well thomas wanted to go in the maze Teresa followed thomas i thought it was because they objected it no thomas did and wanted to go in yeah Teresa just followed thomas oh okay um so beyond that in the second movie Teresa is a freaking traitor and i hate her so much i hate this character because <laughs> i mean i hate this character overall yeah um but so Teresa, played by kaya scodelario if you did not catch that in my earlier talkings of her she ends up betraying everybody in up in in part two and in part three we see that she is living you know the high life at wicked at the wicked facilities well she's um, basically back scientist. to her old job yeah yeah you want to explain her old job basically she was just a scientist trying to find a cure yeah. basically experimenting on essentially immune young kids which as much as i don't like her character i do think they do a good job at explaining her point of view of why she's there um, because for her, she very much has the few for the many mentality, and she wants to save everybody. Um, but at the end of the day, when Patricia Clark- Clarkson's par- character, Ava, who is kind of... Because in every young adult fiction novel, there has to be an angry leader white lady who like starts everything. Because it was Kate Winslet in Divergent. It was um, Julianne Moore in Hunger Games and it's Patricia Clarkson in this movie. Also true. <laughs> this is very much the formula. Um, she's the head scientist and she is explaining a lot of this to Teresa and she asked Teresa about you know why do you hold on to these painful mer- memories and by these memories she means the maze and her relationship with thomas and her relationship with the other boys um post that so all of the this you know this part two stuff and ter- because they can get rid of it and to this Teresa responds you know something kind of like if i remember it then all of this was worth like I have to know that all of this was worth it so I have to keep those negative memories I have to know that when I find a cure pretty much I have to know if I find that cure I fucked over these people and it's perfectly okay because we have a cure which is fine from the scientific points of what she talks about as a scientist but it bugs me and I hate it character probably the most part because she kind of tries to play both sides of this emotional like care thing of like oh yeah we are torturing young people which is also basically another theme of this movie of basically a bunch of old people sitting up here like let's just kill all our young people to find a cure to save us so uh (laughs) united states 2018 but (laughs) basically like that scene with minho basically she literally just calls him in there like hey buddy how you doing man i know i'm just torturing you for like 18 hours a day and i know but you're gonna cure some people but you know how you doing today like, why? Why would you do that? If you, I, if you want to commit and do that to find a cure and you know you have to do that, then commit do that. Don't sit there and talk to him like he's your best friend. Which is why I was so satisfied when Minho just, like, slammed her against the table. Which is why, I mean, you don't, you're not friends with your test subjects. You're not friends with, you don't get names. That's why they number you. That's why in Lab Rats and everything else, they don't, you don't have names. They just number what you are. Yeah. Because you cannot have emotional connections no there has to be an emotional distance and i just hate the whole part that she plays this middle part of the movie so if she was a real scientist she would have gotten rid of those memories maybe she may not have to get rid of the memories but she definitely don't have to because it is a valid point to say like you know to keep yourself at least some human human humanity of keeping those but you don't call the guy in that you've basically been strapping to a seat for 18 hours a day that you literally that you literally betrayed to get him there and also, like, mind you, Minnow's torture is literally putting him in the scariest situation that you can have and having his body pump out, like you said, so much adrenaline and fear and anger. <laughs> um, all, while be trapped, well, all while being trapped in his own mind. Yeah, and basically hung upside down almost. Yep. Or suspended, at least. 
So, uh, beyond that point, she ends up being taken by Thomas, which is probably one of my favorite reactions in the movie, where Thomas, um, who has made it into the city with Galley and Newt, um, confronts her, kind of, um, or, you know, leads her to this isolated place and asks her, hey, you know, do you regret what you did? And she said, or do you think about what you did? And she says... I do. I think about it all the time, but I do it again. And then Thomas is just like, okay, that's all I needed to know. And then they pop a bag over her head and, you know, take her out of the city to, one, remove the trackers that are inside them that are letting Wicked um, know where they are and identify when they're in a location they're not supposed to be. And, um, you know, help them move freely and ultimately have Teresa get them into the main building. Um, and from that point, once Teresa's in the main building, she allows them to kind of go, but then you find out that in what looks like her protecting them, she actually just wanted to trap them because she realizes that because Brenda has survived this long without, a, without, a, without the serum, that Thomas is actually the person who is the cure. His blood is the missing component, and it isn't actually in anybody else. And so to that, she focuses on pretty much just getting Thomas into the position that she wants to make this cure. You will say, at least for her character that I do like, even though you do want her just pretty much dead throughout most of them, especially after the second one, is... Throughout, out of all the parts, I guess besides the evil uh, white lady, as you said, uh, she's literally the only person that's focused, remains focused, and the whole goal is to find a cure to help people and to help everybody. Yeah. Because as you see, a lot of the people within the last city turned into, especially the other guy who we find Jansen. out. Yeah. Essentially, like, let's just cure a certain amount of people, let's charge it, let's just rule power and everything else. She's the only person that ends up doing this whole, like, like, I, I guess saving, like, I'm doing this from the scientific point to actually help people. Yeah. Even though she does have these conflicting of, like, emotional parts. Yeah. Which ultimately leads her voice to come down from the heavens to tell Thomas while he's grieving Newt, Hey. Hey, buddy. Hey, Thomas. Your blood's the cure. You can save everybody. To which, after Thomas watches his best friend die because of this disease, Thomas decides, Welp, I'm not going to go to the extraction point. I'm just going to go ahead and walk all the way back to the wicked facilities and give them a body. <sighs> yeah, it's stupid. Thomas actually annoys me in this movie thing. He annoys me from this point. Like, yeah, this from is the this, point yeah, probably from this point on in this movie, I definitely... No. Because it, it should be said that the city at this point isn't a pristine city anymore. No, it got overrated. Like, like the, the, the people who they have been keeping out have literally blown up the wall that separates them and are strategically collapsing all the buildings in the city, just salting and burning the earth. Yes. Um, so how, how are you going to get that cure out, Thomas? How, how are you going to do that, buddy? Um, but, uh, Thomas makes his way to her, which his first stop involves him stopping and talking with Ava, who I believe is his mother, if I'm correct. Uh, I don't believe so. I think they just, it could be, but I didn't think okay. so. I thought she was his mother. But, as we said, it has been three years since we've seen part two. It has been four years since we've seen part one. Yes. So, it's been a while. Um, tweet at us if you know if she's his mom or not. Um, but she ends up getting killed by Jansen, the, like, I don't know. Basically security. Yeah. He, he basically like the security. arrogant security manager who is, like, bigger than he is. Yeah. Like, the person at TSA you meet who takes his job totally more seriously than he should. Yeah, I think by this point, too, which we find out, I think, since we find out that he's actually been infected, I think he's just like, I'm tired of all this. Yeah. Um, we don't find that out till the end, though. Well, no. Until you, he injects himself. Which is literally right after he kills her. Well, I know, but we don't know this when he kills her. Well, I know, but you can see the effects of, like, taking his... Because you can see him trying to escalate of, like, the... His whole demeanor. Because basically, Ava basically is like, let's just let it... The, 
it can uh, airborne. It's over with. You know, just accept what's happening. You know, like kind of what you're saying. Like even a cure at this point probably is not going to help. Yeah, we're just not going to have enough time or even ways of administering where he's still at the whole point of like we can't give up. We need to thing. It's almost like let's just escalate everything as fast as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so after this, he is knocked out by Jansen, taken up to Teresa, and Teresa then synthesizes a cure from his blood, and uh, they end up fighting with Jansen. Um, <laughs> Only because Teresa now decides, oh, I know I betrayed all of you again, but now I'm going to save you again. Exactly, which bugs me. Like, I know that I totally used Jansen to bring you up there, up here, but I'm going to knock him out and let you escape. Um, which ultimately they have a big, a big kerfuffle, a big scuffle with each other, um, which leads to Thomas getting shot. And, uh, that, I mean, that's pretty much where you're at. They end up killing Jansen after that. And then they take off or they attempt to take off, um, which ultimately leads in Teresa's death, which I was very happy about. Was too. Um, she dies on a roof as a building collapse, but I do have to give her props. She saves him. Half of me expected Thomas to throw her onto the thing. Didn't expect it at all. You didn't? Nope. I thought that. I was like, I'm dying, baby. I just kissed you. I'm going to throw you on this helicopter. A, that might be the, probably one of the worst, most dreaded kiss I've seen. It was a terrible kiss. Well, like, not necessarily it was, like, bad on screen. It was just one of those you did not want to happen. Yeah. It was a cringy kiss. Yeah, definitely. Probably the... <laughs> what? Besides the Rose and Finn kiss, that might be one of the most cringy kisses that I didn't like. Especially yeah. in the last year. Because it kind of pulled me out of it. Because you don't, like... You know that they used to love each other, but you also know that, like, she really sold him out for Jansen. And there's all this stuff. And it's one of those, like... And you also know that he pretty much hates her for selling him out. Yeah. But you also know that he's kind of like, I still think... It was kind of at least not too bad, because it was kind of like this goodbye... We're dying. We're dying. It is what it is. I'm not going to hit you in the face. I'll give you a kiss and we'll move on type thing. And then you're also with the whole thing with Brenda because it is these awkward, weird things between her and Thomas at this time. So, which Brenda is infinitely better than Teresa. Yes. Just saying, gotta go with the Latinas. Well, I was gonna say not the crazy people, but it's a good kind of crazy. She's not crazy though. She got bitten <laughs> and cured. Um, but anyway, so. They have that weird-ass kiss. Um, then Brenda and Jorge end up piloting the plane that they stole in the beginning of the movie to help save them. And Because they show up 25 seconds <laughs> before the building shows up, blows up. And um, Teresa, which is the only moment of the movie that I give her props, she decides to pretty much hurl Thomas, who has been shot in the gut, to his safety. Um, which then leads her to 25 seconds too late, um, in which the building collapses and she dies. Yes. But I'm happy she died, so I'm okay with that. I think it was a great arc for the least. Her character makes a lot of terrible decisions and a lot of good decisions, and I think in the end they try to portray her as this one of, like... Because I think she even realized, even since the cure and given the one serum there was, that it was basically pointless. Yeah. And she's kind of like... One, if I have one redeeming moment, this... This is it. Like, I brought you here. Yeah. I'll at least have to save you. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Then we have Thomas. Our main character. Played by Dylan O'Brien. Probably the most famous person other than Giancarlo Esposito on this cast. Yeah. Um. Who, throughout the entire movie, which, if you've listened to us this far, you pretty much know the entire plot and where he's involved... Um, but actually now I'm thinking about it, he's there for a lot of this and he kind of like gets people moving, but it's really an ensemble movie. It's not just him until that end. Yeah, no, like, like I said, he basically, the first part of the movie is moving, is for Minho and then Newt's moving him to the second part, Galley's moving him through the, like, probably through the third part of saving, and... Yeah, and then Teresa moves him through that last part. Yeah. Um, so Which, I think as much as it is his movie, like, or, like, it is very much, like, how do I say this? 
everybody in the cast has an intricate part to play and isn't just there. Like, the director and the Except maybe Frypan. Oh, I'm so sad. Like, Frypan is, is the guy who saves everybody magically. So he saves her. Well, he was technically part of the plan. He was. Be- because it was part of the plan to actually save all the children that all the other test subjects. Because there was a giant X on the floor. Yes, I mean, that was the whole plan. But besides that. Hey, Frypan. Go sit on this giant crane. Well, technically, for he minutes. technically has a shotgun to save him too. I mean, but out of he does. Any, he does have out a of everybody, uh, he has a few moments. But literally, out of everybody else, plays a key integral part of where you can't do any without them. The movie doesn't move forward, yeah, or anything except possibly him. Yeah. But we don't waste forty five minutes on him. Exactly. But you're right. His shotgun does come in handy in the tunnel. Yeah. He has a reason they survived the tunnel. Well, he's not the reason, but he's well, a he's the reason they survive long enough to get to. They the survive reason. the twenty-five seconds they need for them to be survived. exactly. Who who saves him? Brenda and Jorge. Yes. The brown people come in and say, "I got you." I don't think that's what he said. Hermano, yes. I got you. That's what he said. <laughs> um. So for Thomas, I mean, I think overall, from what we've covered, you kind of understand his story. Um, but as, he, as he's moving through this, Thomas as a character in the end is ultimately someone who kind of understands his place. And when that that one vial of the cure is synthesized for him, um, or synthesized from him and given to him by Teresa, he holds on to it. And at the end, you realize that like that's just kind of it. Like it wasn't anything because... After uh, Thomas is evacuated, they wind up on the safe haven. They wind up uh, having taken the boat and gone to an area where the solar flare hasn't killed all life. And it's essentially a community made up of mostly immune people, or at least those assumed to be immune because they saved them from the wicked facilities. Um, plus some of those who aren't and have been there's fighting really, There's wicked. no cur- carriers, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that I guess like oh, we could have another series. You have Thomas holding the cure, um, but what you realize is it doesn't matter anymore. It didn't go to the point where it's like we have a cure, guys. We're gonna save everybody. The world isn't saved. It's just a safe haven. Well, I mean that's pretty much the entire theme of the movie, though. Yeah. Of uh, basically, they talk about it and it kind of pushes it through because I mean, obviously, they go basically to save Minho, which is. Basically, the entire theme of you can't save everybody. The best bet is basically, which they tried to do in the beginning of the movie, we're going to take what we can to know, but survive, and we'll just start over. Yeah, which is the first, um, what is first said to Thomas after they bring after they bring back the train car, um, which featured Dylan, uh, Dylan O'Brien's stunt that got him really hurt. Um, they take the train car, it's not Minho, and Vince, who is played by Barry Pepper, who's the leader of this kind of, like, resistance, like, safe haven community for people fighting Wicked, um, tells him, you know, you can't save everybody. We have to go. We have to realize that the people we have here have to be protected and we need to move. Um, which kind of goes through the entire movie, because there are multiple points where different people say, hey, leave me behind. Well, I think between the theme of just, like, moving forward, and obviously they have the whole thing of be loyal, you need to stay for your friends, because literally the whole movie based upon, they could technically end the entire movie after the first ten minutes and just go and boat and everything else happens. Yeah. <laughs> so technically if you want to be too, they could definitely just prove it. But they try to save the one, basically the two, one person that meant the most to them. Like yeah. said, their leader the whole time. And that was his only goal. And then after that, I don't think they really... I mean, as much as he wanted to save everybody, I think he re- I think he pretty much realized, except for that last part, where there was really no reason to go to Teresa at all. I think other than, like, I think he wanted to save her as well. Yeah. I don't think there was any other... Cause so, when, so do you think him going back to Teresa wasn't necessarily him wanting to make a cure to save people, but more so he wanted to go save her? I think... Um, I don't even know. I think it actually might have been... I think he did want to go save at least people, because that's almost contrary to what I said, but just only because... At this moment, Newt literally dies, as we've said before, about 15 seconds too early or too soon. And basically, I think he's in this shock of, like, I've lost pretty much my best friend. Yeah. I don't want to have this feeling again, and I'm going to at least go save as, either as many people as I can through a cure. Or at least one person. Yes. That makes sense. 
which is basically the, I mean, I said the movie. Be loyal, don't leave your friends behind no matter what, and... Punch people in the face. Yeah, if you get hit in the face, it sucks, move on, pat them on the back and go forward. <laughs> like, this whole... Anyway. But, I think just the end, cool, to, I guess if you want to wrap up, and then we can get yeah. thoughts. Just wrap up the whole thing. Okay. So, yeah, as this ends out, there is a small opening for another series after it, but pretty much it's self-contained. They're on an island away from everything. There's a small vial of the cure, and that's it. That's done. I mean, you do have this really emotional scene where they um, kind of set up a monument to all the people who, who, to all of the friends who have fallen to the flare virus along the way or have fallen for other reasons, and they each spend time carving their names into the little monolith. Um, and then that's the end. That's it. Yeah. It's done. Done. And I was happy with it. Yeah. It was a great close to a series. Yeah, I wrapped it up. Um, so I guess overall, like, what are your final thoughts on the movies? Final thoughts is, one, like I said, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the series. It sucks that I'm three, four, three or four years, three years behind, delayed. I don't know how well it's going to be perceived. I think if you watch the first two, you should be excited. And I think you'll really be happy with the way it ended. If you want to watch the first two and get involved, I think you'll be happy. If not, I think it is, unfortunately, a movie you could probably just skip. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it for people to watch the third one, but yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like, one of the big things for me is that it has been three years since we've seen these characters. We have not read the books, and we were still emotionally invested enough to, like, to mark it on our calendars. Hey, Maze Runner, The Death Cure comes out today. We have to go see it. Well, because it was one of the movies where the second one actually developed their characters and made you actually care about their characters. Yeah. And you want to go see the third one, even though the second movie drags on so long. Too much exposition. Oh, my gosh. But that's not the problem here. No, it's not. This movie has great <laughs> use of exposition. Well, we start talking about all this, and I started thinking about the second one the more we did this and discussed it. I remember well, the sex- how The second long... one is also two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but I guess for me, like, I think that... Especially on Twitter, which we are highly involved on. There are a lot of people who call for, like, hey, we need diverse movies. But, like, everybody who I know who calls for that have not mentioned this movie at all or mentioned the series or this cast. Um, and this is a movie where it actually holds up. Like, it's not just characters there or people who were added to the movie just to be there. It's a damn good story. Um, and, and this for me, like when you're ending a story, especially now when movies have reboots and sequels and 10th iterations of like, you can have really crappy endings. And I think this one puts a nice little bow on the franchise for me, um, even if it is three years later. Um, so I think overall, this is going to be pretty good for me. I put it in a solid like 7.5. It was the best movie I've seen all year. Didn't. By default. Because <laughs> it's the only movie we've seen this all year. This is the first movie we've seen all year. At least in theaters. Yeah. It's actually still probably the best movie I've seen all year because I saw the Godzilla movie animated on Netflix part one, which was awful. Awful? You want to talk about boring. <laughs> which this movie is not. It moves you from the very beginning with high action sequences, a really great score. I think I think the music, I actually really enjoyed the score. Yeah, like the score was really really well done. Um, I think that this is definitely something you need to give a chance. Jump into the Maze Runner world. I'm sure you can find them on Amazon for like a dollar to like two ninety nine. I'm sure you can get involved with it. These are really great characters. Um, and like I said, I'm really excited for Rosa Salazar's um, role as Alita in Alita Battle Angel, um, just because like I want to see her like do more action stuff because I liked her in this. Yeah. Um, I just like the overarching theme of like you can't save everybody per se and it's sometimes you do need to just let things die and just move forward. Yes. Which I think between, like I said, the interactions with Gally, interactions with Teresa, even by Ava at the end and everything else, it just... And even, like I said, him holding the serum at the end of, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like Just you, let it die. Let him die. There's no point to try yeah. to fight all this. Like, and you have to, like, tell yourself at a certain point, like, you have to know when to fight and you have to know when not to. 
And like I said, because Jansen says she's given up, and it wasn't necessarily giving up, like mentioned David, are you giving up? And she's just like, it's not giving up. It just there's a time to just save what you can to rebuild, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great movie. You should go watch it. Um, it is in theaters now, I believe. It is in wide release. Um, let us know what you think. If you saw Maze Runner Death Cure and you have feelings, tell us. If you watched the first two, tell us. Or if we have brought in your love for this series and you now love it after listening to us, let us know. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ButWhyThoughPC and Facebook.com, Facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And make sure you head on over to our website, ButWhyThoughPodcast.com to check out our blog space. We have our team of writers um, writing their thoughts on popular culture and deconstructing that and deconstructing what happens in the worlds around us. You can find me on Twitter at oh my myth randier Matt. Um, you can find me on Twitter at dat m eighteen d a t t m one eight. And uh, yeah, go watch the movie. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. We also didn't say we were the like two out of five in the theater. I don't care. I've gone to a movie and been the only person in the movie theater. That's real love. Or I just pick great times. <laughs> Bye. Mm-hmm.